0: Well, welcome. This is WNZN Radio, coming to you from Laredo, Ohio. Very happy that you tuned in today for another show. And again, uh, that's 89.1 FM on your radio station. And any problem you might have with uh, static or volume, uh, you could just go to your iPhone or uh, Electra or whatever, and uh, your laptop computer and just put in WNZN.org
1: or... 89.1 89.1 FM. So I'm here with my good friend David Abu. David. Hey, John. Goes great to be here again as always with you. Another show. Yeah. And now, uh, in the past, we've had some very interesting guests. We're
0: looking forward to some interesting guests coming up in the near future. But today, David, we were talking and you thought, like, um, what's really interesting, you know, you get out there and it's particularly people that are not yet Christians and they have questions. You know, and th- some of these questions are really not easy to answer. Some are not that difficult. But I thought um, you'd mention maybe we'll just do some of these uh, more uh, important questions or mm. popular questions, and we'll see if we can uh, talk about them and maybe give a little shed a little light on it. And this is particularly helpful to somebody that might be listening to this show today that uh, just never got these answered, never, you know, know where to go with these, maybe never went to church, never studied the Bible. Uh, but these things are always lingering out there. And so we can remove some of the doubts or confusion. Um, so be it. So we're going to do that today. David, you've got a, yes, a question. I sure do. I've got a couple, but we'll just let it roll on that. And each one, I won't elaborate too much. Okay. So we can get down, you know, kind of rapid fire. Right. Each of these questions, no doubt, could be a whole show in itself. Oh, yeah. But we're just going to hit the, the, the high point and then kind of roll along from there.
1: That's sounds terrific, Jan. Yeah, so... um First one is what was the most important question ever asked? Okay, well, first of all, that's a great
0: question. <laughs> it's a good way to start, up there. Okay. In my opinion. Okay, this is my opinion. That's I, why I asked that. No, my very humble opinion. Right. What what uh is is the most important question ever asked? Okay. And what I think is when Jesus will say in Matthew chapter sixteen. Now, up to this point, of course, our Lord has revealed a lot about himself uh, through his miracles, fulfillment of prophecy, and so many other things. Mm-hmm. But he He takes his apostles up to this region, way up in the north of the Galilee, and he He, he says to them, uh, to his disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man is? In other words, who do, you, who do you say that I am? Now, that's the second, maybe most important question. Of course, they say, some say John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. So they have all these different kind of responses of what other people are saying, right? that don't know Jesus that well. And it's the same thing in the world today, David. Like people have all kinds of, non-Christians have all kinds of responses. Like, who do you think Jesus is? Like Jehovah Witness will say he's Michael the Archangel. Uh, Muslims will say he's a prophet, uh, and so on and so forth. But then here's what I think, is the most important question, is when in verse 14 of Matthew 16, then he says, um, then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now he's looking at his apostles. And then Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And so there I would say, I think that's the most important question we can ask today. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? I see. And I, And there's so many like I said, responses. Some people don't even probe it. They just yeah. dismiss it or don't think about this. But this is the most important man that ever lived. I mean, look, at in less than, what, not even a month, about, a, yeah, a little bit more than a month and a half away, we're going to have Christmas. Yeah. I mean, this is celebrated all across America, yes. Canada. Even when I lived in Thailand, they mm-hmm. put up lights and, like, Christmas trees. and They didn't know what Christmas was about. But why do we celebrate this man's birthday? I don't care yeah. how materialistic right. it is and all this other stuff. Why is this this man, why, you know, how, why is he so important? We don't, you know, have big celebrations and lights and all this stuff and giving of gifts for George Washington or Albert Schweitzer or, you know, Albert Einstein or these others. Why this person of Jesus Christ? And so that's why I think this is the most important question for nonbeliever and believer to to ask and to answer. Who is Jesus? And not to dismiss him out of hand and say, well, I grew up and I went to church. and uh, We used to, you know, we had Jesus and Mary and Joseph and this one and this one and that one. He kind of gets lost, if I can say that, (laughs) in the whole package when somebody turns their back on on, on the church or Christianity. Yeah. But it's good to revisit this. Well, who do you say that I am? You know, every person should say. And then, of course, Jesus will say, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, that's Peter, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my father is in heaven. Yeah. So in other words, it's a spiritual revelation to get the full understanding mm-hmm. of who Jesus is. Right. Now, once you've established that, who Jesus is, then you can start sorting out other questions like, okay, why did he come? How did he prove who he was? Why did he have to die on the cross? Why is his tomb empty? You know, All other religious leaders, you can go visit their gravesite. Yeah. Jesus' tomb is empty. Why do so many people around the world say that Jesus somehow transformed their life? Or why do we date our calendars, you know, before Christ and anodeum? Yeah. You know, before Christ and after Christ. Why Why is that? And so to your original question, David, you know, what is the most important question? In my opinion, that's the most important question.
1: Uh, I think that's—thanks, John. That was a great answer, and it drives so many other answers to other questions such as what are the three big questions in life? Who are we, where are we from, and where are we going? Well, yeah, I mean, there's
0: the big questions that can be sorted out in different ways, but I do have yeah. four major questions. Oh. Uh, and I think men have asked these questions all through history, mm-hmm. try to answer it with philosophy and religion, but number one is origin. Why is there something rather than nothing? Mm-hmm. Or why are we here? Now, everybody sometime in their life should... <laughs> Should pause and reflect. Uh, I don't care what your religion or belief system. You should ask yourselves, "Why am I here?" Yes. It's a very existential question. But uh, why am I here? Uh, you know, why is there something rather than nothing? Mm-hmm. So your real first question, big question of the four, what I think are mm-hmm. the big four, is origin: Why is there something rather than nothing? The second big question is meaning: yeah. Does life have meaning, and/or is it eat, drink, and be married, tomorrow you die? And if life lacks meaning, then man just lives it like, okay, I just got to live my life for 70, 80, 90 years. I'm going to cash out and it's over. You know, I, I, maybe I had a house and some cars and I retired from my job. Is that all there is to life? So does life have meaning? That's a very important question. And number three is morality. Yeah. Is there a standard of morality? Can a man have three wives? Is mm-hmm. stealing always wrong? Um can we use God's name in vain? Is, is bad language or vulgarity really wrong? Sexual morality. Yeah. All of these kind of, the meaning of, of marriage, all of these kind of questions of morality. So you have origin, meaning to life, morality. And then the really big question at the end is destiny. What happens when I die? Yeah. That is a big, big question. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's only three primary responses or answers to that. Number one, an atheist, I and mean, if you listen listen to the atheist today, mm-hmm. Christopher uh, Hitchens, who died about two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, Sam Harris, uh, Dawkins, they'll all say nothing. You die, it's over. It That's end of story. No consciousness, no personality, no soul. It's all over. Number two, Eastern religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, New Age would say You're coming back in reincarnation. You're coming back and back and back again on what they call a wheel of karma, until one day you can get off that and you enter in some kind of universal mind or nirvana or whatever you want to call it. And the third, what happens to me when I die, is Orthodox Judaism or Islam or Christianity would say there's a judgment. There's going to be coming a judgment, and particularly in Christianity they'll say there's a heaven and there's a hell. Mm -hmm. And um, you're going to be judged. I'm going to be judged. You're going to be judged. And uh, that's for all of eternity. Now, of course, we'll get into it. But the beauty of what Jesus accomplished, he came to give us life. He says in John chapter 10, verse 10, he has come to give us life and life more abundantly. So now he doesn't want to just give us salvation, but he wants to give us a flourishing life here. I don't mean prosperity. and We're going to have cars and houses. I mean, that could happen, but in other words, you're going to have fullness of life. He's going to answer these other pertinent questions, but more importantly, he's going to secure your eternity. And that the Bible clearly says to be absent from the body is to be present with, from the in the Lord. Jesus says, "What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, you know, wealth and property, yeah. prestige and mm-hmm. celebrity, and mm-hmm. all of this stuff, but lose your soul?" Right. And we'll touch on this later because mm-hmm. the most important thing you own, David, or I own. It's not our possessions. It's not our portfolio. It's not even our children. In a sense, it's our soul, Mm -hmm. and we we don't see that in popular culture because we put the emphasis on the body. You know, am I wearing the right clothes? Am I getting Botox? Am I trying to look younger? I've got to get my hair dyed. All this, you know, appearances. Well, that's not bad necessarily, but when that becomes the only thing, and you forget your soul, you've lost it. Yeah, you've lost. It's almost like. If you were getting engaged and you gave your uh, the fiance mm-hmm. a very expensive diamond ring, it's in a jewelry box, and she says, this is beautiful, and throws away the ring and clutches and holds out of the, the jewelry box, you'd think that'd be crazy. She threw away the most important thing, which is the mm-hmm. ring. The jewelry box just contained it, so to the body and the soul. Um, so those who I think is the four, if I was to say, what are the primary questions man has always asked? I think they'd be asking a 1,000 years from now if man is still on this planet. Number one, why are we here? Origin. How Why do we have this universe uh, well-ordered, well-designed? Two, meaning does life have—of course, if you're a Christian, life has high meaning. We're here to glorify God and to share the good news right. with others right. and to know him and to please him. And number three is morality. Should I have—you know, we can talk on each one of those. And then finally, what happens when I die? Destiny. Those are your biggies.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> So, you know, back to the soul uh, discussion for a minute, John. Science obviously has dismissed the soul as an object of human belief. But, you know, the Bible teaches us that, you know, when God created man, He spoken in, into existence everything with his words. But he created man from dust mm. and then he breathed his entity into into us uh-huh. and created life. So we not only have a physical body, but the soul that we have responsibility for. And there's only two places that soul is going to go, correct? Right. Either to hell and damnation, or to eternal life with with Jesus Christ. Right. Exactly. And his father. So, you know, could you talk a little bit about that? I mean, we really, we really can't overlook the fact that we have a soul. Yeah. And that something's going to happen to it, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Yeah, it's a good question. You're custodian for your soul. You're in charge. Yeah. So in other words, when people say there's no
0: soul, what are they basing that on? And when we say there is a soul, what are we basing that on? You see, all these questions go to source of authority. Yes. So if you say, if the atheist says there's no soul. Right. And you say, okay, why do you say there's no soul, there's no afterlife? They'll say. Well, I've read a book, or it appears to me when a person dies, yeah, you bury them and they go decomposed and go back into the ground. But if your source of authority is the Bible and it's Jesus, then you got a whole different outlook on the soul. Yeah, again, like you say, man is made different than all animals because mm-hmm. when God breathes into man, it says he becomes a living soul. Yes. So, Jesus says, you know, for example, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You know, do good works here and Obey God here and do the things that are pleasing to God, and then you have reward when you get to heaven. The Bible says, "I hath not seen nor ear heard nor entered the heart of man what great things God has prepared for those that love Him." Jesus says in John chapter fourteen, "I go to prepare a place for you in heaven, and if I go to prepare a place, I will come and take you there." Yeah. So you see all of these indicators. For example, in Luke chapter 15, sixteen, Jesus talks about two men that died. One's a rich man, uh, very wealthy. Another is a poor man, almost like a beggar that was outside the gate of this rich man. Both of them done, right? Both of them die, mm-hmm. right? mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and then it says the Lazarus goes to what back then was known as paradise or Abraham's bosom. This is before the resurrection of Jesus. This place, the righteous dead, but the rich man he's, he's in this place of torment, and he cries out, "Father Abraham, have mercy." Send Lazarus that I might give him a drink of water. You know, he's in this torment. He has consciousness. He has uh, uh, identity. He, he His body is buried. It says that, you know, his body's been buried, but now he's, his soul is in this place of torment. And then Abraham, who's afar off in this other chamber of paradise, says, remember in this lifetime you received your good things. Um, so he's telling him about his life, what his life was like when he was alive on this planet. And then he finally, the man says, um, and Abraham says, there's a great gulf between us. We can't go back and forth. You can't go back to earth. Then he says, please send somebody to tell my, my brothers and warn them about this place. They're still living. But he says, no, because they have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they got the scripture. So what we see here, he's got memory. He's got identity. He feels torment. He thinks about his brothers. He wants to reach all of these things, indicate indicators of the soul the body's long that yeah. buried, so here we're starting to pick up clues david uh what is this soul that last uh, that's why i always tell people that most look if you're if you're if if a loved one drives a car and they call you and say i just been in an accident what's the first question you ask them are you okay are you okay yeah why because the most important part of the car is the driver right. you can get the car fixed i mean you know it scratches whatever but are you okay and same thing with the body and the soul. The, the 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 body's good. We should take care of it. It's a it's a it's a it's a tabernacle. Yeah, it's a vessel. It's a vessel. Yeah. But it's not the most important thing anymore. <laughs> than the car is more important than the driver. Yeah. The soul
1: is more important than the body. Right. So l- l- let's extend that a little bit, John. I've been asked so many times, "Would a loving God? Why would a loving God send people to hell?" When I look at Romans, if I could, you mind if I read Romans one eighteen to twenty? It kind of lays the foundation for the answer. It says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that the people are without excuse. Yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, I guess, well, I'll let you answer that because, you know, a lot of people that I know that are are Christian, Roman Catholic, Uh um, has said to me, we don't believe in hell. We just can't see God sending anybody you know, to that place. It, God is so loving. So I'll let oh. you expand that. Oh, that's a good. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Um,
0: first of all, uh, there's several questions in there, but another one, yeah. the whole thing with hell, Jesus even says this in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. He says to those that don't want a relationship with God, that don't want to repent and believe in him, he says, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for who? The devil and his angels. See, hell was originally for uh, Satan and his angels, demonic. They're, they're going to you see that at the end of the book of Revelation. Right. So, God gives us all these opportunities, David. You just quoted Romans chapter one mm-hmm. that j- creation alone should tell us about a God. But we also not just creation, but we have a conscience that we know if we're doing right or wrong even before we know Scripture and yeah. you know, we have the Holy Spirit. We know if we're doing right or wrong, and even in in, in uh, society, if you do right, if you're a good person, a good citizen, work hard, you're going to get a reward. Are you not? Yeah, no, you're going to you're going to live a good life. You're teaching your child. But if you break laws, if you speed, if you get drunk, you're going to go to court. Yeah. And there's going to be a judgment. You're going to pay a fine or you're going to pay time. You're going to mm-hmm. even in a in the world we see this idea. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> because in the world when you hurt, when you do wrong, you suffer the consequence. But if you do wrong against the most, most powerful, most holy, most loving being, you're going to receive reward or you're also going to receive judgment. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's why when Jesus comes and John the Baptist opens his ministry, they say, repent and flee the wrath to come. There is a wrath, God's judgment. Well, some people say, well, how could a good and loving God, but God, we don't under, that's not his only attributes. Here's where people make a mistake, David. Is God good? Is he loving? Is he merciful? Yes. But is he holy? Is he just? You see, these other things are are in there. You know, is he pure? So if God doesn't judge sin, he's not just. Does that make sense? If if you go before a judge and uh, and, uh, I did some heinous crime or somebody does something really bad and the judge says, you know what? You go free. You can go free. You'd say he's not a good judge or he's a corrupt judge. He's not fair. He's not just. So too with God, how can his love and mercy be displayed and, and satisfy his justice and his holiness? Well, that's why the cross is there. Yeah. Because at the cross, it clearly says in seventh Corinthians, he who knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin for us that we might become yes. the righteousness of God. Yeah. So he takes our penalty. If I go to court and I owe like a $1,000 in traffic tickets and fines and, and then then somebody walks in the back of the courtroom and writes out a check for a thousand dollars I go free right because he paid my debt so we all owe a debt the Bible says the wages of sin is death mm-hmm. death in the Bible means separation separation from God God gives us this time on the planet every day is an opportunity that's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation if you hear his voice like if you're listening to this radio program this morning, you hear these words spoken, you have an opportunity to accept Jesus and His free gift of salvation and secure yeah. your spot in eternity. Right now, this is a very, this is a very, very important point that people don't don't fully realize what's contained in that. You know, and the simplicity. I mean, there's a simplicity in salvation. That's why at football games you always see these guys with John three sixteen. Well, it simply means for God so loved the world. That's where we live, not the planet. It's just this system. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus, that whosoever believeth in him, that's all we have to do is believe in him, that he died for me and he rose from the grave, whoever believed in him should not perish. See, that perish means separation from God. Yeah. Separation from God in this lifetime and particularly in the lives, but have everlasting life. So it's it's a free gift. It's like it's out there right now today. All that somebody has to do is is, is accept that gift. Now, once you accept it, Jesus says, "If you love me, keep my commandments." So, if God gave us this free gift of salvation, the least I can do it to say thank you. Is try to understand His
1: commandments and obey Him to please Him. Does that make sense? Yeah. You got, and so, I think you—that's another really important point—is that He gave us free will. Yeah. So you know, He—could you imagine just being forced to worship? In in year, I mean, I. I know it's tough to understand. I mean, we, we can go into the the other, you know, right off the tail end of this is why did God create the devil? Yeah. Right. What, why didn't he just leave everything the way of that? Right. So we can get into that. But the free will is so important. I mean, he gave us free will, you know, and the devil was involved with the first sin that was created in the Garden of Eden with with Adam and Eve. You know, he tempted Eve. And, you know, that's really by he gave them a free choice. You know, don't touch this tree. Don't touch that. Don't partake it. Right. Don't partake it. of the fruit. Right. Um, so, and they had a choice. Well, yeah. I mean, when you understand
0: creation, it's right. very orderly how God does on the six days. Mm-hmm. the 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 crown of creation, or the God's final act of creation, mm-hmm. is He literally comes down and fashions man. It says probably out oh, of the mm-hmm. clay. So to so speak, cool. He gets His hands dirty. If I use that, but yeah. I mean, He gets involved. He gets intrinsically involved, mm-hmm. and then He breathes in the man. So man is different. That an animal man is different than a tree or a planet, or in the sense that he has something of God's nature, right? That's why he says, Let us make man in our image, right? We're different than all others. Not now, not only do we have a free will, which is extremely important, we have capacity Mm -hmm. for language, we have capacity to worship God, we have capacity for self reflection. I know that I am, you know, I can say that and identify myself. He gave us charge over nature, he says, Adam. I want you to take care of the garden, you know, you're in control, so to speak. But you're right. I mean, he gives us free will and it's binary. He says it's like A or B. Here's the tree of life, and here's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat that one. Partake of this Right. What what is man man, man has free choice because remember he's he's godlike. He, you know, it's very similar to angels. Angels are are what's called free moral agents. They have choice too. A tree can only do a tree thing, okay? A yeah. squirrel can only do a squirrel thing. Right, They're kind of programmed. Now, you get higher levels of animals, a dog or something. They they seem like they got choices, but they've kind of been trained. But a man has really the power of choice. Yes, he does. This is this is why you'll see all through Scripture, this A or B, choose this. It, it says in the Old Testament, God says, I have set before you today life and death. Choose life. When Jesus was crucified, who was crucified alongside him? Two thieves, right? Thieves, right. The one mocked him, ridiculed him, and the other, what? Repent and yeah. says, remember me, Lord. Do you see the binary? Did you see yeah. the two? Same thing today. You know, we can choose mm-hmm. uh, to, to know God, to turn our back on our sin, receive him, start living for him, change the whole trajectory of your life, or say, no, I don't want, I don't want you. I don't want you in my life. I don't want you to control my life. I don't care about your command. Mm-hmm. And well, he's not gonna
1: force you to an eternity. Does that make sense? You could even want him here. Why would you want him there? I was just thinking about this. You know, that's a whole nother show with Christ and his last statements on the cross. And, you know, the thief that turned to him and said, you know, when you come into your kingdom, you know, and, and he said, yes, from this day forward, you'll be with me in paradise. And I'm thinking about, you know, what just hit me? The Navy SEAL training uh-huh. to be a Navy SEAL. And what you have to do to go through that Love. painstaking thing that weeds out 80 percent of the people that apply for it. But you got to believe if you're listening today and you don't think God will allow you to come across to his, his, um, you know, grace and, and follow him. You got to look at that example on the cross, how quickly oh, yeah. if you just open your heart and say, father, you know, forgive me for my sins. I'm sorry that, you know, uh, I'm sorry for the, for the sins I've committed. You know, I believe in you and yeah. I want to follow you. Um. That's how easy he makes it. That's it, you know. And so when you compare what's out there in the real world and eternal life, and how easy he makes it for us, regardless of the sins we've committed prior to following him,
0: right? It's a free gift, and I, that's where a lot of us trip up because we, right. what I, what must I do? What must I, I have to do something? Well, you do something after you receive a free gift, you know. Right. Whereas yeah. If um, look. If on your graduation, your dad gives you uh, the keys to a Mercedes Benz, it's a gift. Mm-hmm. You know he doesn't want you to work out a payment book of that. Mm-hmm. But from that point on, you're going to study the owner's manual. You're going to take good care of that car, which is going to pl- please your father. Like that, he I trusted him with this gift. So too, but when you got the gift, you had a choice. You could receive it, or you could say, "Dad, I don't want it." You see, you could throw it back. You know, you see. What I'm that's that's what's going on here today, right? And if look. If a person is 50 years old, right. that means he's had over 18,000 days. Mm-hmm. He went to sleep at night and woke up on a fresh new day that he could choose to serve Christ. And you see what Amen. Do you think yeah. God is patient? Do you think he's long salary? Literally. Over that 18,000 days, you know, put, do the numbers. But every day is a day of opportunity. He's very, very patient. And every day when you look at creation, you look at creation, it like shouts at you, you know, you know, we see the... literally yeah, read in Romans. Yeah. There's no like use. Every day, there's this huge object loss. Yeah. And the the famous theologians, you say, there's the starry sky above and the inward law within. In other words, I have a conscience. I know there's things that I should do, I shouldn't do. You have this moral conscience right. in the inside, but you have this creation on the outside. And both these are twin witnesses.
1: There's a creator. There's a there God. And... and when you study the scriptures, it leads you to Jesus. Right. Amen. So... I think a good question to come in now is, John, where did God come from? Who created God? Right. If all that's true it, and we're saying he created us and he created nature, it begs the question, who created God? Right. Well, by definition, that that is like, see, ancients had
0: a God that was very human-like. Right. It was Zeus yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Neptune and all these. But the God described in the Bible describes himself, he dwells in eternity. He, yes. he also in the Omega. We, we have no no more understanding of God and his origin. Yeah. But, but by definition, he doesn't. He's like a circle. You can't, there's no beginning, no, no end. It's like Donald Duck, he never knew Walt Disney. He didn't know he was created by ah, Walt Disney. Because Walt Disney lived in a whole yeah. place. But but yeah, with our finite minds to try to understand an infinite God, by definition, God is spaceless. He's timeless, and he's immaterial. But you need those three things. He's got to be outside of that to create that. So, you know, uh, atheists say there's just a big bang. Well, that doesn't make sense because to, to, to have a big bang, you need those things like in in, in, the, in the recipe, time, mm-hmm. space, and matter. Well, what does it say in the Bible in Genesis 1-1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right. Now you see, beginning is time. Mm-hmm. Heaven's is space, earth is matter, but he stepped he's outside of those three in order that he can organize all those into the whole universe we see before us. So yeah. it's like um how can I say this? And let's say there you remember the book The Invisible Man by H.G. Oh yeah. Okay. I saw the movie what if there what if I told you there really was an Invisible Man, David? Really was. And uh you go, "Well, the only way I'll believe it if you if you show me him." By definition, what is the one thing I can't do? By uh, what do I call him? He's the invisible man. man. Yeah. So you if you're saying the only way I'll believe it is if you show me. But by definition, he's invisible. Yeah, but I sh- I could show him to you if I, he throws a chair against the wall or if he jumps in a pool and you see the splashing. But to to say where did God come from goes against his very definition that he's he's eternal. Yeah. He's the great I am. Now, what I do think. And this is a little conjecture on my part, but I do think when we are risen in the new life, you know, and we're in the presence of God, it seems to hint in Scripture that in the ages to come, he's going to reveal more and more about himself to us. And that's why it says in Ephesians, yeah, I'll quote it. He says in the ages to come, uh, let me go right there. I think it's in Ephesians chapter three. Um, He says this. um, Okay, here we go. He says, uh, "He's raised us up together; and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, that's eternity, mm-hmm. He might show the exceeding riches of His grace mm-hmm. in His kindness towards us in Jesus Christ." So I think, as we in in eternity, He'll reveal more and more about Himself. But right now, we're in kindergarten; we're in the first grade. You know what I'm saying? This I'm lifetime, at, yeah, it's it's, it's like way outside our understanding. It's right. So yeah, if if my If if my grandson goes to school, my youngest grandson, let's say, is studying arithmetic. He's learning Mm -hmm. one plus one is two and how to divide and multiply. But my oldest grandson is studying calculus and computer coding at a university. Both are studying mathematics, but the the one could even grasp calculus, right? But he has to learn those little lessons where he's at in the first grade so he can one day apprehend the mathematics that's taught in, in a college, university. Right. So, too, we must learn the lessons God wants us to learn on these 70, 80, 90 years on this planet so that in the, it, that'll serve us well when he starts unfolding more and more stuff. Right, eternity. Yeah. Th- that's why God wants us to apply ourselves here. You know? Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, Yeah. Uh, So, uh, you know, John, that, uh, let's see, so... Well, when we talk about salvation, can a Christian lose their salvation after they have it, after they come to the Lord, you know, and they've made the free choice to, you know, to follow Jesus Christ? You know, obviously you can't, once you're a follower of Christ, you can't go out and start, you know, murdering people and say you're a follower of Christ, stuff like that. But are there other ways we can lose our salvation once we have it? Well... Uh, number one, each one of us is going to stand before God, right? And you're right. Comfort. So I can't
0: really judge this person or that person. I will say this, though. The the the, the Scripture indicates if you're truly born again, in other words, you, you, you've repented, mm-hmm. you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you, and you know for a fact that Jesus Christ died for you. Not just I read it in a book or I know about Jesus. Do you know him? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. If you know him, You can never deny him. Now you could do behavior that's wrong and you can be convicted. You could be judged. You could lose rewards. You could do all kinds of things can happen. But if you, if you know, as the Bible says, you're, you're sealed until the day where you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how you could turn your back on that any more than you could say, this man is not my father. When you know he's your dad, you
1: know, he's your father. You could change your name. I don't care. But he, you see, so again, I... so I basically, are you saying that once the veil is lifted and we're no longer blind and we see who Jesus Christ is, the son of God, and we start to follow him, there's really no turning back. One of the right. words, you're a true believer. Yeah. If one of the ways you know you're
0: a believer right. is a transformed life, mm-hmm. that's why Paul says examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Right. So if you don't have a transformed life, mm-hmm. if your speech hasn't changed, your desires haven't changed. Um, your motives, how you treat people. Uh, you know, you still use God's name in vain. You live an immoral life. Well, that tells me you weren't you weren't changed. That, that's why Jesus talks about the wheat and the tares. Yeah. Or the sheep and the goats. And it says in First John, they went out from among us because they never really belonged to us. But if a person is truly a child of God and they know they're a child of God, I believe there's security in that. But I never tell people, I mean, go do this and go do that and try to go as far as you can to the edge and God, you know, if you're truly born again, child of God, you never ask that question because in a sense you're staying close to God. You see now a person didn't have a real experience. That's why Paul says in first. 1- yeah. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse five, he says, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Is God in you? Right. Is, is Christ in you? Unless you fail the test. So there's a lot of people that are religious but they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They're what's called the tares. And the, the the thing with wheat and tares is the tares look a lot like wheat, but they're not. They just look. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people at a given day or at a church, they're yeah. not believers. They, they, they never come to know Jesus they're Christ. They're showing up. They're, they're just showing up. Oh, they like community. They, they're they polite. Yes. Um. They like being with Christians. But that that's that's where it gets. you got to be careful how you answer this question. I would right. suggest right. What a person, if he has a genuine uh, relationship with Jesus Christ, he repented, he believes that Jesus died for his sins, that he's received the Holy Spirit dwelling in your heart, your life is changed. And that is security based on the word of God. If they're living like the devil, but say they're a believer, they're fooling themselves. The yeah. worst deception is self-deception. Right. And if they fall back on once saved, always saved, they're on thin ice. They're on really thin ice. Yeah,
1: I like that answer, John. Is God everywhere omnipresent? Yeah. Yeah, he just is. I mean, you can see that in the psalm. Uh, and, and a lot of people ask me, how is that possible? Well, how is that not possible? Well, it, I, I hear you, but, you know, I, I'm just.
0: I mean, I, again, one of our videos, David, is right. Uh, right. is the uh, cartoon strip, okay? Yeah. And if you have the cartoon strip in the comic page, you have blocks or panels where you develop your storyline. It goes from mm-hmm. left to right and, you know, back and forth. Well, if you imbue those little cartoon characters with a little intelligence, they might know they're on that page. Yeah, two-dimension there. But they don't know what's coming in the next panel because the artist hasn't revealed. But the artist is outside that page. He sees the beginning from the end. But those little characters know nothing about the artist because he lives in a whole different studio a a yeah. different realm. So could he see the whole cartoon page just like that? Yeah. But the cartoon characters, no way, because all we could see is the next panel, the next little block. So, to believe that God is omnipresent is not hard if you know who God is. Right. Yeah.
1: Th- and, and that's a good point. And, and Psalm 139, 7 to 12 touches on it. It says, The first thing to know is that the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, is everywhere. The Bible says that no matter where we go, we cannot escape the presence of God. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like having, you just, the way I've always looked at it since I became a Christian is, um, I had a breakfast today with someone, and you know the old Dave would have handled it completely differently. And I came in, I prayed before the breakfast, and I thought, God's watching me. Yeah, right. I'm going to be judged on how I handle this breakfast. Right. If I'm truly a Christian now, it's going to come across in my actions and in my words. Right. And it it went very well. Uh, I was actually proud of. Of forgive me, of how I handled it compared uh-huh. to how I was coming in with some anger and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the way I feel about it now is that should drive every action we have as Christians, realizing he's aware of what we're doing. Oh, yeah. And how we're interacting with people. He says the very hairs
0: of our head are numbered. Right. Uh, it says this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 there is no creature hidden from his sight, mm-hmm. all things are naked and open to the eyes of him. To whom we must give an account. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's his. It's his creation. Yeah. It's yes. his deal. You know. I mean, he. So the fact that he's everywhere is not a hard concept but we know who God is. It says he knows our thoughts from afar off. Yes. You know. So he he has no well, problem even with our thought life. Right. You know.
1: So it's um. It's a little bit scary. It's a little intimidating. How do you know? I mean, yeah. think about it? No, it is. because you you know the one thing you've always told me is. Since we're on this walk together and you've been my mentor for now over 12 years, um, you've always said, Dave, you have to control your thoughts. Mm. You know, it's like a bird flying overhead. You can you want him to pass, but don't let him nest in your hair. Right. Especially if it's a bad thought. hmm. And so I've really taken that to heart and I really try and think through why I'm, why do I have those feelings? And I got to remove this right away. So the first thing I do, sometimes the only way I can do it is if I pray through it. Yeah, right. Or I pray for that person. Uh-huh. That's the only way I can kind of pivot away from the, the bad thought. Yeah. No, you're right. We can control. See, that's the thing. People don't realize they can control their thought
0: life. A lot of it is what you let in. Yeah. Am I? Re- what am I reading? What am I looking at? Who am I associated with? You. You. That's all data. That's going in, and you got memory, and you got all these kind of things operating. Yeah, but we can control that. Mm-hmm. And, and some people just don't realize they let any old thing in. Mm-hmm. This is why they go to movies or see videos. Well, it could be extremely violent. It could be sexually immoral. Be all, but that is all coming in. Yes. And that's being registered and recorded. That can be brought back in imagination. It can be brought in dreams, brought in mm-hmm. words. But in terms of God being everywhere, here's what it says in Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me, You know my sitting down, you know my rising up. You understand my thoughts from afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue that you know it already. You have hedged me behind and before you laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. In other words, he's saying, I can't even fathom this, but I know this, that you're everywhere. He says, he goes on. He just keeps saying, where can I go from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and go as far as I can in the sea, you're there. He's, you're never going to get away from him. Now, that's a comforting thought, or like you say, it could be a very discomforting thought if you know he sees what you're doing. Now, that's that's that can keep us from misbehavior or sin because, let's face it, if you own a business and there's theft, your employees are stealing from the cash registers. Yes. Put a camera up in the corner. Yeah. Put a camera up in the, that that can curb misbehavior. Can it not? Because they know somebody's watching up. And, you know, that's accountable, yeah. right? Yeah. So, too, uh, uh, it's not a bad thing that right. God is watching. Amen. It prevents us from yeah sinning, but it's also comforting that He knows where I'm at. He knows what I'm going yeah. through. Uh, that's a very comforting it uh, sure is. But He's only. There's no getting around it. He's only. He's not only omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. That yeah. means he knows everything. He knows he your thought. He knows the motive. And, of course, he's omnipotent. Those are three of his qualities or attributes. <laughs> Omnipresent. No other angel, no other saint, no other person has those. And that's why we pray to God and him alone. Because Amen. he, he yeah. knows our prayers. Even if you're quiet, praying quietly in your heart or your mind at night, maybe you're going through something, you haven't shared But he sees that. Yes. I've Angel or this person was a holy person. Have just you pray to God because uh, he, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's he's in Cleveland. He's in Cairo. He's in Bangkok. He's every, if we're astronauts on the moon. He's he's a, um, he's omniscient uh, that the, he knows your thoughts, and mm-hmm. then he's uh, omnipotent. Right. He can he can answer your prayers. It's just a little bread. right a finger to him. It's no big deal. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah. Good. Excellent answer. So. Let's let's go to what does the Bible say about the Trinity? And I, I want to open up in Matthew twenty eight nineteen, um, you know, where it says, you know, go therefore and make disciples where Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Right. So we identify what the Trinity is that God had. So will you just talk a little bit about that? Because people... That a lot of people don't understand what the Holy Spirit is. Yeah. And they don't understand how there can be three gods in one. Well, there's not three gods in R- one. Right. But I mean, the, the, it comes across like there's three three uh, separate entities in one Godhead. Yeah. Okay. First of all, the uh, did, I, did question. I put it that way? Did I put it correctly? Yeah. Okay. It's a
0: it's a good question. And here yeah. several items on this table. Number one, it is probably the most profound mystery of all i mean you start understanding god his nature his character and you come to this idea of the trinity basically the trinity is the foundational christian belief that god is one being who exists in three persons right that's the important thing one godhead yeah well, well there's one what and there's three persons but they're equal there's one god that's essential the bible clearly says there's one god so being is what someone is look I'm a human being right but I'm I'm a person John Murtha does that the, the being is 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 uh is is what I am I'm a human being I'm not an animal I'm a human being I'm not a tree okay but in personhood I'm I'm my name is John Murtha I have yeah, this person so too there's one God revealed eternally three distinct persons who are all God mm-hmm. now that might be difficult. To fully understand, because yeah. again we're dealing with a finite mind, trying to understand an infinite God. Yeah. So we allow the scriptures to reveal God to us. Now, I'll show you what I mean. Turn, if, if you look at uh, Isaiah chapter 48, just for a minute, Isaiah chapter 48. So we're looking, um, as we go there, what you know, like, what's that again? Where are you? Isaiah chapter 48. Uh, let's okay. see. Um uh, is chapter 48. And if you read verse, uh, let's say, verse uh, 16 and 17.
1: Right, say it again, 16 and 17. Uh, yeah, just do 16. Uh, sure. Uh, come near me and listen to this. From the first announcement, I have not spoken in secret. At the time it happens, I am there. And now the sovereign Lord has sent me endowed with his spirit this is what the lord says your redeemer the holy one of israel now look it says that he said come
0: near me god is saying this right god said come near me hear this i've not spoken in secret in other words this is open from the time that it was right i was there that's god okay and now the lord god and his spirit holy spirit has sent me that's jesus do you understand you see the trinity there yeah And then he fills that out. He says, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer. Well, who's our Redeemer? Jesus. What's he called? The Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God. You see how it interplays. You see, there's an interplay. One God sending by his spirit, this one person. And so, again, it's not that I fully understand it, but is it fully revealed? That's why it says, let us, plural, make man in what? Our image. Our image. And then it says, in in uh, that it says, and then God singular made man. You see this? Yeah. So you, you, what you're getting is a th- this this interaction. Yeah. But the important thing to remember, David, it's like, it's not like one plus one plus one equals three. No, it's one times one times one equals one. There's only one God. Yeah. Uh, but there's three distinct persons. Now Where people get in trouble is like the shamrock. They try to use these. Yeah. It's that. That's, that's wrong. That's called tritheism, three gods apart. Jesus is not part of God. Jesus is fully God. Uh, the egg, the shell, the yolk, or something like this, that's not good. Or water and steam and vapor. No, that's modalism. Or I'm a father, I'm a son to my parents, I'm a. I'm a, a, a friend those three that's not it that that, that's modalism see these heresies get in when people try to explain it but the
1: the best way to explain it is how the bible just you know and it is isn't it true that the other religions really attack us for our our um belief in the trinity you know in terms of how can that be you know you're saying there's one god Mm. right i mean isn't that typically what we encounter with the other religions? well yeah i mean well they have all kinds of problems. Could yeah. Jesus be God? Right. I mean, that really—if you can
0: establish that Jesus is God, the Trinity will start making more sense to you. Yeah. It'll start. Not that we all again—we don't always fully understand it, but we don't know. I don't. I don't fully understand my own self. Yeah. you know. I mean, how I work and uh, how my heart beats uh, at night. And how does our? Do.
1: Yeah. How does our? Uh, how do we get a blood clot? So, but there's so he, many things that happen. So this is the world. most profound yeah. ministry. No but if you can, if you can establish. Is
0: Jesus God? Well, the Bible clearly says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the yeah. Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst mm-hmm. us. So then it's not hard. I mean, it's not easy, but it's not hard to say, okay, yeah, Jesus is God. He forgives sins. He receives worship. He claims to be God uh, on all these kind of different features And like you just quoted in Matthew 28, mm-hmm. go make disciples, baptizing them in the name, singular. Mm-hmm. The name singular, one God, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Well, how does the baptism start at the beginning of Matthew when Jesus is baptized? There's a voice yes. from heaven. A dove. comes see the Trinity there yes. at the beginning at baptism. Right at the end at baptism. Yeah. So once you understand that, David, or I'll give you another example. Jesus says, "Destroy this body, this temple. I'll raise it in three days." Jesus says, "I have the power to lay my life down." That means he he's doing the resurrection. Then in Acts it says. God the Father rose his son from the, it says in the book, God raised Jesus from the dead. But then it says in Romans chapter 8, if the same spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So you see the interplay of these three, but they're doing this one action. Yeah. They're over. My point being, I always come back to this. Do I fully understand it? I understand it more today that I did when I was a new believer. And I didn't understand when I was not a believer because I wasn't reading the revelation in the book, in the scripture, but I understand it more. uh, But my key here is, is that people come and look into the word of God and let the word of God reveal these profound mysteries to you. I I don't, for example, I I, I really didn't put no importance on my soul before I became a Christian. I didn't think of it that much, right? But now I realize that's the most important possession I own is my soul, then my body. And
1: then, you know, well, my uh, John, you and I were both server boys and I only thought I had to show up once a week for an hour, sit there, uh, you know, on the altar with my hands full then I was going to heaven. Yeah, I could go out outside and do whatever I wanted yeah. uh, from there on out. Right. What a what a mistake that was. Shows you how naive I was and really. Um, but I wasn't in the word. I didn't read the Bible. Uh, and um, so you really have to jump into that. Well, the Bible says, "My people
0: perish for lack of knowledge." Yeah. It's 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 a sad thing, David. But I mean, if if you were to drive from here to Florida and you you didn't know English and you couldn't read street signs or safety signs or any of that, you could get yourself killed because it might say one way street. Yeah. It might say, but you can't blame the government because they put a bridge out, caution, right. don't drive. But you just if I'm just driving along. But I'm not reading, then I'm going to suffer the consequences. Yeah. But once you read, once that's why Jesus says, "Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word uttered by the mouth of God." It says the Bible is the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet, it's a light unto our path, it's a compass. Mm-hmm. It's it tells you walk this way, avoid this. But if you don't know it, that's that's the biggest thing that happened to me when I became a Christian in 1975. It says in First Peter. As a newborn baby, in other words, I was just born again, desire the sincere milk of the word. Remember when you first started learning scripture is like this, it's like this. Now you understand more profound oh, yeah. truth, yeah. but you had to get that, that all of us had to get that just like a newborn. And then you start getting on bread and you start, Oh, I see this relationships. I see fulfilled prophecies. I see how this applies to my life. I see how this convicts me. Yeah, yeah, change behavior. So you're, I see how I'm supposed to pray and I've seen an answer to prayer now. So you're growing, and then you can go what Paul calls strong meat. Yeah. Then you're understanding really deeper concepts in the Scripture, the person of Jesus Christ, fulfilled prophecy, types, patterns. Then, But it's, it's a treasure box,
1: you see, but we like it's the yeah uh, But there are so many visualizations you gave me to help me connect the dots and the puzzle from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and, and I remember this still to this day. You said, David, here's the Old Testament. It's the left side of the sword. The right test. The New Testament is the right side, and Jesus connects the point. He's the point. He he brings all of it together. So the the Messiah, all the prophecies about him in the Old Testament are all fulfilled, and he gives us then the tool we need to to do battle with the supernatural. Exactly right. So and it all comes together when you start reading and you're around people that can help you. Um. So we we don't have long. Uh, uh, I would like to cover uh, a couple more things. Sure. One of the big ones is. You look at the world unrest and everything that's gone on. And the real question is, is God to blame for our suffering? Well, no, because when you study creation on a six
0: days table, way back in Genesis, it says after each day, it's good. God looked and it was good. But after the sixth day, when his creation is finished, and man has created, he doesn't just say it's good. He says it's very good. Mm. It's it's such a remarkable place. We can't even fathom it. All we can say is, Adam and Eve were in the prime of hell. They, they right. had everything here. Oh, it's almost like, it's hard to describe what it may have looked like, but if you've ever been to Hawaii or Jamaica or some tropical island, it's just beautiful. Yeah. And then he says, be fruitful and multiply and right. take care of the garden. So God's intentions were always good. But again, if, if, again, if you got a Lamborghini from your father right. and never read the owner's manual, they think might be a disaster in two years. Well, if we don't, if you don't want to obey the the the, the person that created that Labradoodle, you're going to goof it up. And if man doesn't want to listen to God, He doesn't want us living like this. You know, fighting and, and and developing all these weapons systems and cruelty and trafficking. He that's not His intent. That's why Jesus came and literally identifies with our suffering. I mean, He He wasn't like. Oh, he's just a prophet or a sage, and he's going to give us his what? He came and he died, and he let simple right. man put him on the cross to, to show his love for us. But he also shows us how to start with us as an individual. Mm-hmm. Am I going to be a better person? In my mm-hmm. family, I'm going to be a better person. In the community, I'm going to be that'll stretch out. But it, but it, quite honestly, David, until the Prince of Peace comes, there's these conflicts and wars, and man is just the. the Here, let me. we don't have much time. Let me give you an example. Uh, Two months ago, I was leading a tour in Italy, Mm. first century tour, and we went to the Colosseum. You've been there, I've been there. Uh And to look at this thing is is incredible. It's one of the greatest tour sites in the world. Uh, This thing was made 2,000 years ago. The engineering, the creativity, the architecture, just Mm. phenomenal, seated over 55,000 people. But when they inaugurated that thing in the year 79 AD, they had a 100 day opening or inauguration. They killed over 3,000 animals, innocent animals. Then, what they would do during the day when all the crowds were screaming and yelling, they would clear the sand. That's where we get the word arena. And then they would bring out prisoners and slaves and Christians and kill them, shoot them with arrows, let wild beasts at them. And then, as the day got on, they'd smooth out the sin and drag dead bodies off and bring out the gladiators. My point being that man's intellect. Allowed him to create this magnificent mm-hmm. coliseum structure, but because man's heart is wicked, look how he used it. Yes. Look how he, man's mind, you're in the medical business. Yeah. We could, you could create great things to heal and take away pain and forestall death, right? But that same mind, when man collectively comes together, can make atomic bombs, yes. gas bombs, yeah. uh, bullets, nuclear. Uh, Am I right, all So kind of, that's yeah. because our heart is deceitful. We need a change of heart because our mind mm-hmm. can go this way and create excellent, beautiful, artistic, scientific things, or we could go that way and create ovens where they put people into.
1: And, and you know, with all this AI, artificial intelligence coming in uh, to all the market segments, you know, you have to, it really begs the question, just because we can, should we? That's a big one. Because God has given us so much ability. Right. And, you know, if we're created in his image, there's so many inventors in the world. But should we? That's it. Right. So that
0: uh, I'll close on that, David. But what, what it says in John chapter 10, verse 10, um, the enemy comes to rob, kill and destroy. Yes. We saw that when Hamas came into Israel. We did. Torture, hostages, terrible the, the devil comes to rob, kill, and destroy, and he uses human instruments to do that. But Jesus says, but I have come that you might have life, salvation, and life more abundantly. So we Amen. thank everybody for listening in today. Yes. I, I think we'll pick this up in the future. Yeah, There's a lot absolutely. more little questions oh, gotcha. you could ask. But if maybe somebody's listening today and they really never made that decision to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, please do. If you have questions, I would encourage you to start with the Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. Just read one chapter a day. Find a good church in your community. And realize that, hey, God loves you. He's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. And this is your day, you know, go Amen. into Christmas season, Thanksgiving, Christmas season, a new creature, you know, a brand yeah. new creature. Uh, so God bless you. Thanks again, David. This is WNCN Radio coming to you from Lorraine, Ohio. Thank you for tuning in. God willing, look for another new show. I'm looking for some yeah. guests, interesting guests coming out as we close out this year.
1: God bless you. Have man. a great weekend, everybody. God bless